It's the day after Christmas in New Zealand, but it's cold and damp. A steady drizzle hitting the windshield as the wipers lazily brush it clean. My friend Rob is driving me back to where I left off yesterday when I slack pack to Kahutarawa Park about a half hour outside Palmerston North. The rain has done its work in just 12 hours, leaving boulders in the roadway and waterfalls pushing across our path to the stream, swollen and muddy. I snap his photo at the car park before we part, Rob carrying a day pack and planning a short circuit, dressed in shorts and a long-sleeved tee, an elaborately carved piece of kawakawapunami or greenstone around his neck. And then I head to the backtrack, steep through bush and sidling the hillside above the raucous stream below. I warm up in no time. The rain stops and my spirits lift as I march easily up the wide path, until I hit a landslip, a huge one, all the way across the trail. Well, I should have known after so much rain that the earth just wouldn't stay in place. It's rock-studded mud, small limbs reaching out like the arms of buried victims. Perhaps I can just cross it, I think tentatively placing my newly cleaned sneaker up on the pile. I sink in, way up over my ankle and my newly cleaned socks. Balancing with my poles, I inch forward, sloppy step by step. And suddenly, the mud moves, shifting down like one organism. And just like the path's name, I quickly backtrack, lifting each foot out with an audible slurp and then head right back down the hill. Perhaps Rob is still here, or someone else has come out this long, lonely, rutted road and will take me back to town. The car park seems empty, and I sit down on a stump, wondering how long I'll need to wait. Flipping through my map, I realize there's another way over this hill. It is a bit longer, but far less steep, and it appears to be a shared bike path. Well, up I go feeling kind of smart and tough that I'm carrying on, even as my eyes scour the land ahead for a possible campsite should I find yet another shifting mud monster stopping me yet again. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the blissful hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Most of us female hikers carry that essential item with us when backpacking, the P-Rag, and it shares a definitely unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badasses who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky's should be in your hands. Also, Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. I met Rob through friends who were following my hike. He's an American married to a Kiwi and has made the North Island of New Zealand his home for over 20 years. When I left Koitiata and started heading towards Palmerston North, I knew I'd be arriving on Christmas Eve. Would he be willing to let me camp on his lawn, I asked in one of our correspondences. 
Well, it would take a few days to hear a reply, but I'd be near towns over the next two days, so it seemed likely I'd have an answer one way or the other. It's pretty hard to feel Christmassy as I walk on the hard-packed black sand trail this glorious morning, clouds reflecting on long stretches of beach and low tide, the sand carved by water and thousands of shells crunched into ripply surfaces. A huge mountain range looms in front of me off in the distance. And then a Kiwi section hiker driving his car on the beach stops to compare notes. I tell him some of the trail is really just terrible, to which he responds, but that's the challenge, with a big toothy grin. Okay, you got me on that one. I cross a stream in its mouth, waiting for the magic moment like Moses, with the waves pulling out but the fresh water still pushed back. I land on a little island and only get a tiny bit wet. There are no footprints this part of the beach. Inland, I walk on crunchy track through pine, full sun on my face with tiny raindrops falling in between. I take a shortcut to bulls through a shattered landscape of young forest amidst sad stumps and overgrown gorse. Then I'm back on road, passing neat houses in rows, one with a sign reading, Water. I'm grateful for a separated and protected bike path across the Rangitakai River, but then the trail requires running across Highway 1. That Kiwi section hiker was right. This is a challenge. I camp on the manicured lawn of Mount Lee's Reserve, seeing that Bohan, Marco, Alex, and Tom were here yesterday, along with fast-walking Amelia, who I haven't seen since day four. A Rio Rio, or New Zealand warbler, sings its trilled melody, and I call it closer, three more joining. The evening is cold, but ends with a grand display of pinky-orange glow in the western sky, now in purple embers, before the rain comes, heavy and never-ending. But the following day, Christmas Eve, is mostly roadwalk to town, cows inspecting me from behind their fences, and perfectly woolly sheep as if drawn for the far side, running away as I approach. In town, it's a row of settlers' homes with curved metal roofs. A little girl in a pink bathrobe carries a cat as big as her, its legs flopping in front of her. I realize as I walk here why I don't see any other hikers, because most of the ones I've met will skip this section. They call me a purist for walking it, though I prefer thru-hiker to their tour-hiker, or, truth be told, hitchhiker. The Te Araroa certainly challenges this concept of hike-your-own-hike, and I realize we can choose to do what we want. But when I meet these hikers ahead of me at a fabulous hut on a mountain and they talk about how fast they're moving, I'll try not to laugh. I pass beautifully built homes facing the mountains and the high-rent district of Fielding as the rain eases up, then walk through Bunnythorpe, a name that sounds like a character from The Great Gatsby. So far, it's a big, wide bike path. But that doesn't last, and I'm back on road, my feet on the white line at the edge of humpy wet grass. A kiwi is mowing here for us walkers. He laughs when I tell him how far I've walked. Then it's a mass of styles, a bouncy bridge and a clear path that keeps me off the road until the Manawatu push bikeway, 
Rob greets me at the door and tells me I don't have to camp on the lawn and instead gives me his son's room to sleep in before we head to his family's home for a party. Everyone is glum because the weather is so awful. Christmas in New Zealand is normally a time for barbecuing and outdoors. Nonetheless, we eat and we drink and we dance. You're listening to The P-Rag, unfiltered adventures of the blissful hiker. Through sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. If you're enjoying the storytelling, consider subscribing to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple, take the time to leave a review. That's how other people like you find the podcast. It's Christmas morning, and it's even wetter than yesterday. I have tea and toast with Rob, as Tara hands me a present that was snuck under the Christmas tree by the fat orange tabby cat named Fred. It's tuna packets and chocolate. How did Fred know that's a hiker's dream? They've been so generous already, but I just have to ask if I might slack pack today, since camping in this rain would be absolutely wretched. They agree, and Rob tells me he can easily pick me up at the end of the road along the Kauterawa stream. So I suit up in all my rain gear and head out, my Christmas present packed with water in a very light olive oil. In New Zealand, showers mean a burst of downpours followed by clearing. Rain means non-stop precipitation. The forecast for today is for rain. (laughs) Well, I'm suited up and I walk on a bike path, easy walking to Massey University, which is absolutely deserted, and then prepare myself for tramping track that actually turns out to be lovely, but puddly in Bledisloe Park. I slosh through the upper Toritia green corridor and decide road walking is just fine on such a wet day. The foothills loom above me in the gloom. Up and up I go as the road turns to track. At a junction, a sign I almost walk past tells me I'm at the halfway point to bluff. (laughs) And I kid you not, it's at that exact moment the rain stops. I speed up as the track turns to Country Road, then follows the fast-moving river into the forest and ending at the car park where Rob picks me up for more partying with the family. Now, the weather is supposed to improve the next day, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the rivers won't be swollen. Once I find that alternate route from the car park, it's easy zigzags up the hill, the mist rising as I reach the top and see a shelter in the distance. Someone's in it. Is that Rob? No, it's Coon. I haven't seen him since well before Auckland, and I'm so happy another TA hiker is out here on this miserable day. I really wish I could have invited him to Tara and Rob's. Poor Coon slept out on the bench last night, and it rained sideways. He's absolutely soaked, even if still smiling his huge grin. I head on ahead as he makes breakfast and lose him in the forest, heading quickly towards Burton's track. Maybe it's finding that alternate route that's made me feel more confident. 
More likely, it's the fact that tomorrow I'll head into the Tararuas, a notoriously dangerous mountain range with high ridgetops exposed to the wild weather on this part of the island that's surrounded by water on three sides. The forecast actually calls for clear weather in the coming days, and I know it will behoove me to get to the start as quickly as possible and take advantage of the brief window of opportunity. The track narrows and the bush closes in. The mud deepens and my pace slows as I squish through. Then the trail begins to head down steeply and I do all I can to stay upright. The ravine cuts down to water and I hear it getting louder as I approach in the dense darkness. It's the Tokumata River, swollen from the rain and crashing in rapids over half-submerged rocks. I'm expected to cross it. Good Lord. Kuhn is far behind me now, so I'll be on my own through this. Well, I see the orange triangle across the river, and I take a few awkward steps into the cold, roiling, latte-colored water. No, this is far too deep. I move down a few paces, but the water is really boiling, and a spill would place me directly in its teeth. So, up the river I go, about 30 feet or so, to what looks like a reasonably doable cross. I walk like a crab, facing upstream and pulling my poles out completely and repositioning each step to counteract the force of all that water. It's slow, it's deliberate, but finally I reach the other side. The deepest section of the river is funneling at my side, so there's no way to work back down the river to the trail. Instead, I have to hoist myself up on this steep bank and find some way back to the trail through the bush. It's tricky, as the slope is eroding in a jumble of fallen trees. I tiptoe across them, though some of these palms seem ready to give way. Muddy and exhausted, I finally meet the trail, and just like that, I carry on. Several more minor stream crossings follow, some with spectacular waterfalls full and loud. And soon I discover I need to cross the same river two more times. Well, it's dangerous, but mostly it's just time-consuming as I search out the best crossing. Finally, the land begins to change as I get scratched up in a gorse tunnel and then heaved out on a road. I walk to a reservoir where I meet some kids driving a truck with a giant sticker reading Expletive Deleted 1080 under a longhorn steer. 1080 is the poison that's used to kill invasive mammals like possum and stoats, ones that are destroying the bush. There is a lot of controversy about it, though it seems more conspiracy theory than fact. I don't ask about the bumper sticker, but I do ask if they have a beer they can sell me. Ah, no such luck. Boy, a beer might have been nice for the slog of forest ahead, one more mossy and beautiful, but of course, deep in mud. The sun begins to shimmer in dappled light sparkling on the wet leaves and revealing a delicate spider web. I wind up and down and out on a long ridge before coming to a few stunning lookouts, the second one called Archie's, looking out under clearing skies towards the Cook Strait and the South Island beyond. Then it's down and down I go, again to more rushing water. 
I've got a few hours of daylight left, but I'm nervous that I'll meet more difficult crossings that will take time. Instead, I'm surprised by just one stream coiling over on itself like a snake, the trail crashing straight on. I lose count after crossing it 30 times. Now it's likely obvious why I choose sneakers rather than boots, and also why there's no point in taking them off to cross. I reach the valley, orange in the afternoon, and finally I'm walking again on a country road, the Makahika Outdoor Pursuit Center just ahead. The owners behave as if expecting me, feeding me a delicious prawn salad with veggies, bread, and a glass of wine, well worth the wait after a beerless hike today. John is impressed I walked 25 miles and did all those river crossings on my own, making getting here my goal, since the weather window is only two days wide. Though he does convince me, I'll make it across the Tararuas if I just keep moving. The singer-songwriter Lena Del Rey said, Being brave means knowing that when you fail, you don't fail forever. It's day 59 in my through-hike of the Te Araroa, and for the first time, I'm beginning to feel like this is my hike. It certainly wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. I had road walking, non-stop rain, and some obstacles that made me stop at my tracks and consider how I was going to manage. But my bravery and my feeling of being comfortable in my own skin hiking my own hike is increasing It's not entirely because I succeeded. It's more because I figured things out. I knew when to ask if I could slack back. I knew when to get out of that landslip. And I knew to study the river before stepping into it. I set the alley coop next to the water in the dark. Coon never quite catches up, though I know I'll see him somewhere along the way. The Makahika River sings me to sleep now reminding me of all those crossings. Just practice for the hundreds of river crossings, most of them far more dangerous, that are coming up for me on the South Island. But for now, I'm dry and resting. The biggest challenge of the hike so far, not until tomorrow. Thanks so much to Lucky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for supporting the PRAG podcast. Also thanks to you for listening. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And please, if you're listening on Apple, leave a rating and review. Show notes, more about my hikes all over the world, including photos, are all at my website, thepirag.com. Next week, I head into the Tararuas. I'll tell you this much. That mountain range becomes one of my most favorite places to walk in the world. Until then, my friends... Kia kaha and happy trails.